Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. It is the Red Men Originals podcast. I'm Paul Machen, Chris Pajak, Chloe Bloxham, and Dan Club all in the studio. Chloe, Clay didn't get the uh, black T-shirt and shorts uh, memo today. No. Nope. Far too fabulous for a Red Men Originals podcast. But, uh, or maybe we're just not fabulous enough. I think you all look great. Um <laughs> I just think, you know, I've gone all out. And I don't know why, because there's no footy. Uh, yeah. But I have. Maybe that's why. Maybe. Yeah. You, like, you've Someone had a few days off the Someone has to be entertaining. Yeah. And you've just gone, yeah. Mm. No, it, no, I literally bought new shoes on Saturday and had an to... An outfit to go with them. Yeah, I had to mm. get an outfit to go with them. Smart. Thank you. Smart indeed. Um, right, we're going to be talking... Um, about the international break fume stories because we thought we'd avoided it. Liverpool went into the international break on a high with a win. I know, absolutely not. Uh, We're going to be coming through all of the things that have set the internet aflame from a Liverpool perspective over the last week or so. Um, uh, In part two, we're going to be looking at the next run of games once the footy returns as well. But a couple of things before we dive into that. First and foremost, Dan kipped on the cop. I did, indeed. I slept on the cop on Saturday night. It was um surreal experience. It was a really... Um, it was a nice experience, actually, in a way. I didn't sleep much. I say kipped. I had about two and a half hours worth of actual sleep um, on the concrete in the aisle um, in one of the rows there. Yeah, but it was great. It was all Row, I think row five, block 103. So I literally, as you come into the cop, first left, straight up. Um, yeah, literally, pretty much the first place I found, essentially, <laughs> um, with loads of other people around me, obviously. But yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, Chris Kirkland was there, obviously, LFC Foundation as well. And for our charity of the month, um, Liverpool Homeless Football Club as well. So, yeah, it was, it was brilliant, to be honest with you. Like I say, waking up inside Anfield and this was like the first thing I literally sat bolt upright and the first thing I seen was the pitch and like the stadium it was it was immense to be honest with you but all for a good cause more importantly so yeah um, made up for it last night in terms of sleep though because I was a shell of a man yesterday <laughs> I, we all know how much I love my sleep here and lights out at like half eleven inside Anfield it was like three and a half hours after my usual bedtime so yeah, yeah I was broken yesterday oh, yeah. <laughs> guys can you just shush Never just shush stop playing that guitar lads I'm trying to go to sleep it's past me bedtime yeah, it a bit like that but yeah it was, it was boss um, and yeah massively appreciate everyone who was there and a lot of money raised as well I had 60 odd grand so far raised wow. so yeah really good really good stuff that's pretty amazing I, um, I I did see it come through and I just thought I couldn't I mean like not the charity side of things but I couldn't think of anything I'm not camping fan at the best of times but no spiders absolutely not no it was quite cold as well. Surprisingly Believe it or not, <laughs> well, outside it, in England, everyone's you know, everyone's like moaning. Oh, 
complaining, including myself, nights previous, how swelteringly hot it was in bed every single night. And then I'm telling you now, you get out there at half two in the morning, it's less hot at that point. Like, <laughs> really, it's less hot outside no, than in your bed, in loads. your house that is insulated and made to keep the heat in. Loads less hot, though. Loads less like, hot. Loads okay. less hot, yeah. Bitterly cold still. Great information to have um, from that. No, very good, mate. Because I was do. thinking of just giving up the house. Oh, was you? No, no. don't. No, I forewarning. Don't <laughs> save, do that. Save a few, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'd, I'd have been tempted to go and like lie by my seat. I think I don't think I'd have been able to resist the temptation. Do people? Do people stay close together to like? Yeah, share they did. Really, it was all whatever. sort of. Yeah, it was. It was a bit like that. So loads, obviously, there's loads of different conversations. Seeing Courtney and Dom, obviously, we know really well. Like so Chris Kirkman was there. Everyone kind of stuck together in sort of within sort of ten, twelve rows of each other all the way along, which is quite nice, I guess. But Chris Kirkland did say he when he used to go um, to Anfield as a kid. Um, I think he sat on row 16. He, he sat, he went to his seat anyway with his wife and that was quite a nice touch. But yeah, nobody really sort of ventured any higher than row 20, I guess. I think we all kind of stayed down low, which might have changed had it rained. I think everybody would have been very much yeah. in a safe standing at the top by that yeah. point. But yeah, everyone, everyone stood together. Really nice atmosphere. Loads of boss conversations, like I say. Loads of really good people. So yeah, it's nice. I reckon I'd have been fine stood up at a bar pole because you've seen that before. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I all right to get absolutely arsehole before I go to sleep. Is that fine? Is that part of the rules? Because I will fall asleep anywhere when I drink. <laughs> and I've, I've fallen asleep at bars in places of all the town. people who are so, yeah, I reckon I could fall asleep. Suck Chris Pajak's arse on the cop. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Passed out face down. Um, cool, yeah. I, I, like, by the back of the cop, it'd be hottest, I reckon. You know what I mean? You're most enclosed. Mm, okay. Definitely is hotter back there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see if they've done any more work to the Annie Upper? I saw it, not... it looked like it looked like more seats were in situ from some of the photos I saw. I thought that as well. So obviously I got there, I got there at half seven at night, so it was still relatively light, and then of course in the morning. But I thought there was more seats, more than anything. Obviously you couldn't see loads of detail, and I know obviously they started work back end last week. I didn't think they would get to work so quickly because I thought they'd be sort of doing all the health and safety from the previous contractors before they could do anything. But I got the impression from afar and literally the opposite end of the ground that there was more done to it yeah so remains to be seen I'm actually speaking to Dave Powell tomorrow who will probably know more than me on that to be honest with you so yeah um, but yeah it did look like like say they were making some more progress on it yeah boss about time um, I just want me, I just want me safe standing bar in front of me seat that's all I'm how low down are you uh, it's two rows behind me oh, okay? where they've, they got up to and they obviously just decided to not bother anymore. Apparently in the new year they're going to do that. Anyway, it's another thing for another time. Um, before we go on to the fume stories, just another good story. Uh, the poor women moving into Melwood this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm made up with this, really, really am. Obviously because we were there when uh, Carrigan and Fowler took it over, they did the press conference. Um, I'm gl- we were glad that something was being done with it. It was going to be turned into like a housing estate or whatever, but it does feel right. It feels like, again, it's another one of those decisions that like... Not anyone likes to sit here and give credit to the ownership group or whatever, but like it was a bad decision to let Melwood go when the Liverpool women's team didn't have a decent training facility within the within the city limits. So actually, to be able to hold on to it, to get it back, and to be able to use it for that feels about right. Yeah, it does in some ways. I, I'll be honest, that kind of a bit like why the heck did they not think about this when they were letting it go? And to be honest, why didn't they think about this when they were building Kirby? You know, it feels like quite short-sighted by the club and they're just making up for it, whereas the correct decision should have been made a few years ago. So um, it's good, obviously, that, they, that they've done this, that they've, that they've 
swallowed their pride, I suppose, and bought it back. And obviously, they're doing it up right this time around. But I do think it was really poor planning by Liverpool to even get into that situation. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's one of those. It came a bit too soon because they just clearly didn't give a shit about the women's team for a number of years. And it was only... I think it's two years ago now. I remember speaking to Andy Kelly about this, and he obviously is important there. And he had a word about like how they were looking to start to put investments in, and that. And since they've done that, they've got promotion and they've held their own, and it looks like they're building building from it. But you're right; the decision should have been taken five years ago. But instead, I mean, that was like anything, Chloe. It's kind of like a better late than never. And also, it was nice, just not a nice tone. That video of them being like clapped into Melbourne was a nice, yeah, it's just it's stupid, but it's a, ni- it's a nice touch. Yeah, it's historical. It's Liverpool history, that. And for the women to have a part of that history now, it, it's brilliant to see. It, there was even, you know, a couple of years ago, Liverpool women were the only team that had women on the end. Everyone else was just West Ham, Leicester City. Liverpool was Liverpool women. Uh, they've now got rid of that as well. So it just it seems like we're one big family again. Uh, and yeah, it was ludicrous that they didn't think of this to begin with. Um, but it's now great to see that the women are getting the facilities, getting the support. Hopefully they'll get the investment um, and they can go on to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, right, international break fume stories. Um I mean, I, we've got to start with the one, really. Liverpool go into the break. It was well. happened last week, was there? <laughs> no. Um, and then uh, Jordan Henderson and presumably his PR team decided that it was the perfect <laughs> moment um, oh to speak out about his move to Saudi. Um, I know you guys obviously would have talked all about it a lot last week. I, I was off film last week, so I didn't get to really talk too much about it. Um, um, regardless of opinions on 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 the interview in and of itself and the intentions behind it, Dan, there's no escaping that it's just been a huge PR on goal. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'll i be honest, I, I didn't think the interview was that bad. And by that, what I mean is there was no, there was nothing that was going to, there was no possible answer that was going to totally vindicate the decision that he, t- he took. So I was aware of that. And so for me, it was all about how he went about doing it and, and the things that he did. So I thought, I I, I thought getting two journals that he that weren't on his side was mm-hmm. a good idea. I thought the idea of putting the whole transcript out was a good idea. He's got mm-hmm. nothing to hide. He's just going to go and give a speak. You know his his side of things. Um, I thought that was all fine. But it, so I, it didn't bother me when I read. It. I read it independently and I had no one around me and thought, mm, okay, Sam, well, it doesn't change my. It doesn't stop me being disappointed in his decision. Um, doesn't make me think any less of him. Doesn't make me feel any better. And kind of fine. Move on. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, Brave's not the right word, but I thought at least he, at least he didn't hide behind a mad PR machine for it. But it's when you then start to see the reaction, and it was the amount of people whose opinion I really do respect, who were absolutely either apoplectic with it or were really scathing of it and whatever. And that's where it goes back to the PR thing. Regardless of the intentions, there's not been any positivity that seems to have come off the off the back no, of it. No, none whatsoever. It was an absolute pylon, quite frankly. After the first part was released earlier on in the day, and nobody really foresaw the part two coming. And then David Ornstein, like, later on that day, it was like a 9-5 <laughs> job. 9 o'clock in the morning, yeah, I'll have that. Oh, by the way, just wait to see who I've got later, and he drops that in, and even more come out of it. And it was, uh, yeah, I think... I don't think he comes out of it particularly well. Now, I take your point on sort of 
not changing your opinion positively or negatively after on the back of it. But for me, I think some of the lines for me, I don't know. I, I thought more of Jordan Henson. I thought he'd be a little bit smarter than that to say a couple of the bits that he did. And you're right to mention the fact it's a transcript because I think sort of context-wise, that doesn't do any favours because there is no context to it. And it's interesting. I heard Adam Crafton speaking about it over the weekend, actually, and he said essentially that. He said it was a quite... Um, there's a lot of warmth in the room and the actual, the sort of the, the narrative that came out of it doesn't reflect well because yeah. of the fact that it's a transcript. So maybe in hindsight, they might have liked to have done it differently because... They should have just, they should have videoed it and put the exactly. whole thing else. Because that. he said the room actually felt a lot kinder than the transcript read. There's no, like I say, there's no, you can't... Uh, you can't make it sound any better than it is because of the way it's written out. And people just took it for what it was, rightly or wrongly. And a lot of people have been very, very critical of it. Very critical of it. And I get it. I do. I mean, I've said it before. We're not in the certain quarters and the certain groups of people that would take huge offence to the things that he's done, the decisions he's made and what he's done in the past. So it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes. But... I knew he had to come out and speak at some point. He had to, because he couldn't just go away and this all be forgotten about. The fact that he was about to play for England again is probably what sort of meant that this would come out now. Mm -hmm. But I must admit, I'll be dead honest, I thought when he did, I thought it would be a lot better than that. I think he's come out of it really, really poorly. I just do. Well, <laughs> shocking. I don't know who's advised them to do that. I really don't. It was all going away. Um, and I'm one of the people who would have wanted it to not go away. But it was just settling. The dust was settling. People had forgot about it. And then you come out and you just stir the pot again. You bring it all up again. You open the wounds again. And some of the quotes just didn't help him. I mean, um, there was that one where, I'm sorry that you feel that way. No, not not. I'm sorry that I'm, I have offended you. No, I'm sorry that you feel that way. There was a load of things that just didn't come out. And then the second part came out and it was like, I never felt loved at Liverpool, you know, and, and Jürgen Klopp clearly is happy with the team he's got because that's what he said. So he's got to be happy with the people that go out. And I was like, you've already, you've dug yourself a hole. I don't know why you've asked for the second part to come out, but you're now attacking the manager. Um, and yeah, it just, I sat there flabbergasted reading some of the stuff because it was just, okay, it, it, it was like, he was saying, I don't think I should deserve a medal for doing this, but I also should have, I could have hid. And I was like, no, 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 so what? You've came out and said something, but you've, you've just lied. It's clearly about money. Someone, I, I think it was... Um, Matt Ladson wrote a thing the other day, uh, and it, actually this morning I saw it, yeah, and it's Henderson's quote, and Henderson was saying, you know, um, I, I, I wanted an exciting challenge. He played his last game in front of 2,800 spectators. You tell me what is exciting about that. You were Liverpool captain playing inside Anfield, a fortress every week, playing in Europe. You were, you know the main man for Liverpool and now you're playing in a place that no one knows where you are see in front of 2,000 spectators it just I, I don't know who advised them to do it but it was an absolute shit show if I'm being honest he didn't come out good of it and to be honest I didn't think I could lose any more respect for him <laughs> and I did so yeah. yeah nothing really changed for me I wasn't any more disappointed after having read that interview than I was when he left originally because I think it was all about controlling the narrative. I think Dan's right. It probably would have been asked to him maybe in a mix-o, maybe after a game, maybe when he's not had time to compose his thoughts and it could have been a lot worse yeah. um, if he'd just answered 
off the top of his head. He's clearly thought about it. He's invited someone from the LGBT Q plus community in to do the interview with him and Adam Grafton, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really, really a, a good a good thing. He's tried to answer, and I've said this. I said this on on the new show. I think he thinks it's his truth, and and that's fine. Like I think he believes it. I don't think he is going out there intentionally lying to people. I just think he's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think he's he, he's made this sort of narrative about the reasons why he wants to go. And, and sometimes we as human beings do that to enforce why we've done made a decision. And it's not actually, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I think it was a little bit silly. Um, I don't think, I never read it actually as they, they agreed to put it out as a transcript. I read that as the authors decided to put it out as a transcript so everybody could see everything i don't know i might be completely wrong on that um i think it would have been much better as a video i think he would have been able to get himself across a lot better than just in black and white because the problem with the black and white is we all went in with our preconceived ideas of what jordan henderson did it for yeah and it only enforced us and there was no chance for him to change our opinions on yeah. that because we went in and read something and rightly or wrongly, every one of us pushed it into one side and went, well, that fits perfectly with the narrative of you left because of the money yeah. and you're just trying to hide it. So I don't think it did him any favours. I think it was a bit misguided. Yeah, I, I got, I genuinely got the idea. I think he thought, and again, it was, it's wrong ultimately because it doesn't, there was no, there was no answering the criticisms. There's no answering going for being like a, a, a positive supporter of the LGBTQ plus community to then move into you know to a country that doesn't have those kind of you know morals or, or literal rights there was no there was no way you're going to say something like everyone go oh right okay oh oh oh, oh. And, you know you put it that way you know because he's not going to come out and say i'm now going to be an avid campaigner for this it's not it's not okay you can't be I mean, it's not like it's not allowed <laughs> you know what i mean so you know it's one of those things it was just the, the pr thing and I, I, I can and this is the thing I know I don't I'm not I don't know Jordan Henderson of the, of the of the of recent footballers up to have played for Liverpool I've probably had slightly more conversations with him I think it's like Jamie Carragher him and then weirdly Jurgen Klopp you know what I mean in terms of people I've spent t- time with which is a, f- a minute fraction but I always got a sense of him as a person we did a documentary on him you know the the glowing references from all kinds of people and all kinds of walks of life on him <laughs> So yeah, I think he made a bad, I made a bad decision, but I don't think it made him a bad guy, which is the worst thing about it. I think the way that the, the anger towards him, and then the way in which it was done, because again, it stripped away the humanity. He's a real person, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think he ever could have come out and gone it just for the money, because I genuinely don't think he ultimately totally believes that in and of himself. We think everyone goes, oh, it's got to be for the money, and it, and it, I'm not saying, and I think he maybe downplayed the money a bit maybe a little bit too much. I think maybe we'd have been comforted to say, hey, the money was fabulous, so let's let's not take that off the table as a reason. But the, the thing that also then happened was they then put that FSG bit out, and I think that was meant to be Jordan Henderson's part in, like, the club's in good hands, don't worry, but also forgetting that no one wants to hear that the club's in good hands, everyone fucking hates the owners. So everyone wanted to, it probably would have been better off going, FSG forced me out and everyone would have gone, oh, well, you know, well, we hate FSG more than we hate all these other things. I, got the, I thought that he'd gone back to them and gone, you've absolutely done me a kippery, you need to put something else out and put pressure on them or Henderson's people put pressure on them. But then what carried through was, everyone was dead angry with the first, with the interview. And then, Listen. Instead of it, what what it, that piece goes? 
Well, listen, Liverpool's. They said Liverpool, I think Liverpool's owners are good owners of the club. I think they've done they've made mistakes, but they generally do well. I think Jurgen Klopp knows what he's doing, and I think he's you know, and they, they've bought a good squad. And, and I think he was trying to say, "I've left Liverpool in pretty good hands." Mm. I think for the, for the future. But it was the it was then reading tone in text of him going, well, Jürgen's made the decisions of who comes in and who goes out, and he's clearly happy with that. Whichever one went, just Jordan going, Poof. well, doesn't want me, but he wants all these other lads. It was just a it was just a fucking mess. And again, I, I, it sounds daft to feel sorry for for a multi 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 millionaire um, who's made a decision to go and make even more multis of millions. But uh, I did feel like you know again he's he's. I... San, he has he it's him that's done this to himself yeah. by making that decision you can't go there and you can't be perceived to be a good person in everyone's eyes if you go and take certain pathways in life everyone is allowed to feel how they feel especially with him coming out and going above and beyond and it it see it came across in the thing that he he thought he was above everyone because he did that at one point but there's no point in doing that at one point and then going to a country in which those people literally don't have this, rights. I just think the fucking the standing up for the for the LGBT community was just badly over fucking played and not that he doesn't believe, you know believe in it but I said this when we were first talking about it it's just it should just be normal his opinion should be a normal level of opinion across society but it sticks out like a sore thumb when he's the only the only uh, captain in the Premier League who's made a big deal about this of all the millions of footballers or multi-millionaire footballers who've gone there no one else can dig through no one else can go to Gerrard and go oh, hang on a second you know no one's going to Bobby Firmino or, or Fabinho or Ronaldo or Benzema or Sadio and going hang about because they haven't stepped up and yeah. said what should be, let's be honest, a perfectly normal thing. He's not like he's led pride. He's not like he's gone, right, I'm now the de facto leader of, of the of the Liverpool pride movement and I'm going to be the one leading the parade. He's just, you know, and when, and it, he's been done by how horrendous the fucking coverage is of this stuff in this country and in around the sport. And that's where the dis- I think a lot of the disappointment comes from, to lose someone so vocal. Yeah. But I said this at the time, Jordan Henderson shouldn't be the standout voice for this. The problem we've got now is that I can't see how many people... Who, who's going to come up and put their head above the parapet on this now? Because why, why, you'd have to be really, really brave, I think, now to come out and do it, which is worse for the, it. The thing I got when reading it was... I was I was disappointed in it, of course. But I was disappointed when he when he left. I, I when it all came out, I thought surely not really. From from the type of person that Jordan Henderson's been perceived about what he's done, surely he he wouldn't do this. He's then done it, but it was when I went on Twitter, and it was quotes of him turning around and saying, you know, if I believe in you know people's being able to love whoever they love i also need to respect other people's culture and people were saying no other people's culture that's them wanting me dead that's me not being having any rights that is me being but this is back to the point and though. that it's is like, the difference it's, it's, it, we're then in the situation where jordan henderson now has to be the man to change an entire nation's he was you never know, ever b- ever going to do that no exactly exactly but that's what i mean that's but why people, i was less disappointed because He's just a fella, isn't he? People did think that, like, I remember at the time when he left, there was a lot of core supporters who, you can still support Jordan Anderson, that's up to you. 
whatever. But there was a lot of them people thinking, why, why don't you think he's just taking it? Because he, you know, he believes that he can do some movement over there. And I'm like, you must be the most naive, stupid mm. people in the world. Because what do you think Jordan Henderson is going to do over there in movement for the LGBTQ plus community? He's one man. He'd be murdered before he was allowed to do any of that. What are you talking about? Um, and it also didn't help but that is his Instagram that he put on before going to on international duty was talking about the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and everyone like translated it was like oh god god how much is he earning for that and then he comes out and said he did he didn't earn anything in the in the thing for the the promotional uh tweets or anything so yeah it was just a a, a bit of a mess for him yeah i do it's just a bit fucking stupid as i say it's just it's, it's a shame that we're in a world where we've, we've got to stop for me we just got to stop making role models of footballers like let's because there's no you're going to end up disappointed with a footballer as a role model ultimately because they're just lads who are good at kicking a, a ball around. It's nice when they've got, it's nice when their opinions and thoughts and feelings align with ours. But ultimately, he's just a person who's got a limited shelf life of a career, and he's done this. And again, I feel I do. I, feel, I don't as exactly Chris said. I don't feel any. I don't really feel any less or more about him one way or the other. I was kind of prepared to let it get off. I, he had to kind of come out and talk about it, I guess, at some point. But this is the problem with it. It's like, and this goes back to. I, 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 I believe in his general level of character that he felt the need to because he wanted, I don't know, like it's no one else has really felt the need to do this. No one else has come out to justify, you know, no one's asked any of these other players, why have you decided to, to, to do all these things? He kind of wanted to explain in the hope that being as open and honest, people might have some sort of, I don't know, understanding for why he did it, but, there was no what more understanding was there to have he's gone to play in a fucking league in front of no fans you know was there no maybe was there just no other offer on the table was there no well, other he, exciting he offer on the table to that as well didn't yeah. he to be fair in the, in the article and stuff like I mean listen if you're first to go and do something then I can understand that there might be uh, an idea of how you believe you're going to build this country's league up, as in your Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you could understand that and everybody following. And then if you are of that type of person that needs that ego boost, then you would look around if you're Cristiano Ronaldo and go, look who's followed me over here. Look what I've built. But when you're the 35th player or whatever it is to go, what have you really done? Just been a sheep. More than anything, you're not. I don't think you can really look at that and go, "Well, I really helped build that." It's like, no, no, no. You just followed everybody else. The, the only counterpoint, because I, you're right, is that I think we can probably said this time was like he probably just didn't expect to get a call. He probably didn't think he was on a radar for that. And then actually, the as much as yeah, you're right. You're not like you're not like a front runner of it. I mean, look, he might be he's in the first, the first, second class, I guess, of people who've gone gone across there, <coughs> but. You know, you, we all expected when we all said who's going to get the call from Saudi this summer. We all went Tiago. None yeah. of us went. None of us really went Fabinho, but we'd have put Fabinho above Henderson. We probably would have listed Henderson really low down, and I reckon he probably would have too. So maybe there's just something to that, and it goes back to that the being wanted thing, which I think again was over egged and lacking tone. Je Steven Gerrard got off and went to the MLS because he wasn't. 
he didn't feel like Brendan Rodgers was bending over backwards to have him stay at the football club a little bit more. Footballers are a bit like that, ultimately. You know what I mean? They've got the shelf life, and if someone really shows them a bunch of love, that's why you end up with mad. Well, money and love will take footballers to mad places. It just genuinely, it genuinely will. Um, but yeah, anyway, disappointing. Disappointing. What do you think talking to Saudi Arabia then? Was it them? money and love? Money and love. Yeah, yeah. but I think Stephen Gerrard turning around and saying, "I'm, I'm here." And look, I said this before. Gerrard's the due diligence. Stephen Gerrard, the greatest ever captain midfield or whatever you want to say, is over there and saying, "I want you to come over and help me." Well, Gerrard's already over there. There must be something. There must be something to it if Gerrard's decided to go and to go and do that again. I don't say I hundred percent would. I'd probably look a little deeper at like the playing squad, for example, yeah, where where they're living. Yeah, you yeah, know, uh, all of, yeah, exactly, yeah, all, all, all of the above. But you know, it's this the thing. Jordan is just a he's just a footballer. He's had a good. He's had ended up having a brilliant I, the, career. The, I think the thing that but, annoys me the most about all of this, right? And I get why people get get involved in it and stuff like. But like, I wish we held up our politicians to the same level of yeah, scrutiny exactly. as we do our footballers, yeah. because we'd be in a such a better place. And I wish our country and our government did more. And like we're going to talk about it on the next show, aren't we? About Newcastle and, and PIF and all that type of stuff. Like, it shouldn't be on the fans of those football clubs to stand up for what they believe in. It should be not, not the government saying you can't buy a football club in our country because of what you do elsewhere. Yeah. And yet we always seem to go for the low-hanging fruit. Well, fruit. We want the people who have absolutely nothing to do with actually the regimes mm -hmm. to be able to stand up and, and speak out. And even if Henderson didn't go, what, what, what good would it have done for anything? Nothing whatsoever yeah. so you've got to have people who are in power maybe just maybe democratically elected governments to be able to do this for us and stand up on these issues yeah it's right though it's but it's but it's easier to just get to for, for twitter fume to have some quotes that you can quote retweet and 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 stare up isn't it ultimately you know I, mean? I do feel the people again the people who, who end up worse out of this is that is people in the LGBT community who have lost are lost a, a very public ally and have ended up in a situation, as we said, where I just don't... It's going to be so much harder for anyone else to, to, mm. to stand up in that space now as a result because, again, you're an agent who exists, literally exists to make money off those players. What are you going to be saying? Are you going to be telling your footballer to... to to be a big vocal advocate for stuff, are you going to say, keep your mouth shut, speak out when your career's over, speak out all you want, but while you're in it, it's bad. I think it, I think it sets us back more than it, more than it, it really anyone thought it would do. But again, this is the problem when we make Jordan Henderson. Let's face it, a, a, a really good footballer by the standards of global levels, but far from like a top five percent of footballers in actual active football, is somehow this leading shining like figure that's supposed to represent all of these values and all that kind of stuff as it turns out he's just a fella i think is... because there's so little you know representation or support i think when when someone comes out like that which is why it probably hurts that community even more because like we've mentioned, Maddie, uh, you know, Sadio Mane, Firmino, Fabinho, none of them ever gave their political stance or ever spoke about their beliefs. Can we, so, on sorry, that. Claire, just to cut in, because I know people say this. it's not a political stance, by the way. No, it's not. It's not a political stance to, but, be, to be pro or uh, to be pro LGBT <laughs> rights, by the way. No. Carry on. Which is why I, I'm extremely disappointed in the culture 
um, quote that he used saying yeah, it's their culture to believe this so yeah. I have to no 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 they want to kill people because they're this that's not culture yeah. um, but back to Jordan Henderson because he was so outspoken on it and you, people of that community they grab and latch on to the, these people are actually supporting them they're representing them and to see money just be the overriding factor and that everyone has a price it is i can i can only imagine how let down they are and i can totally understand that yeah let's just say this, this, this is the worst thing we, we were going about how what a big advocate he was he wrote something in his program notes and he wore some colored laces and armbands when you really see it written out and he did it in the article it's like he's not done that much has he you know what i mean and that's the that's that's the sad thing the real the real sad thing about it it wasn't even like i said this i said this to you but like it's not like it wouldn't have been like go back to the 60s and martin luther king decides to give up on all his on his models you know what i mean this is not this is just it's just a fella who who seemed to be have a, a half decent set of a half decent model compass and as it turns out it's not quite as straight as we'd all thought, thought it was anyway pathetic that it's caused that much uh that much conversation it's the most probably interested anyone's been in jordan Henderson outside of his trophy lifts uh which is a bit of a fucking bit of a fucking shame really because uh what a servant he was to liverpool and it's mad that I just I, that's the upsetting thing for me is like what a what a, a brilliant that his career should be tarnished like I'm annoyed that Gerard fell over and people talk about Gerard's career like that that Jordan Henderson made it made him made a mad ultimately business decision for how to continue his career and it means that we don't get to have a free conversation the conversations about Jordan Henderson shouldn't be about whether you thought he was shit or whether you thought he was good mm. like it's been for his entire career instead of having to like yeah We've got held up as this sort of negative poster child moving forward. You know, it grinds my gears about it, all right. That loads of people now their aim is to go over there and party. By the way, and it's the same people who are giving everyone shit on Twitter. You know, go to th- that area of the world and party and post on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok about and all this. Like, it's mad how hypocritical people are of someone who is supposed to be hypocritical as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it is crazy. Like, loads of people I know want to go to that area of the of the world to party in those areas of the world. It's mad. Yeah, well, just just kind of moving it sideways a bit onto the Salah stuff because obviously we don't know he's staying. Um, at least for now. Um, what I thought was interesting, Dan, that came on the back of this was a few journalists talking about, I think it was Chris Williams maybe, um, about how much briefing was going on mm-hmm. to um, to sadly favourable journalists or whatever to try and create more of this Salah story than the, perhaps there was going on. Oh, yeah, there was loads of that. I think we all kind of had an inclination that, that was going on because some of them were so steadfast in the fact that it was going to happen. Obviously, some over here, we've seen Jan Argyfortov as well in his belief and his tweets, and obviously we've seen the um, idiot that is Richard Keyes, and we've all seen those quotes as well, and that's from over not there. Not years, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully <laughs> not. Yeah, we don't see as much of him now, but it, it's actually quite nice seeing him be so tragically wrong on yeah. the Salah stuff last week. That it's was the only quite... time you ever see him. You actually see him fairly regularly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the Everton one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, but you're right. But it was... <laughs> It's quite disappointing. I think Chris Williams, you are right, it definitely was him. He was almost disappointed by sort of how many of his colleagues and some of his peers were were so easily influenced and were sort of bought. Because some of these journalists, you see, were like, 
quite reputable. You kind of take what they're saying at face value and you believe them. And yet the fact that they can be led astray like this and just say stuff for the sake of the PR machine, essentially, and sort of to, to, to drive the... We were here deadline day and how much of it was surrounded by the Salah Saudi stuff. It was, it was constant. And you do wonder how much of that is truth and how much of that is just getting the name out there. And it turns out that it might have been a bit 50-50. But it's interesting because I spoke to um, a Saudi-based journalist last week, actually, one of our plus shows, and he said something very similar it was very similar out there and a lot of the Etihad fans were left like really angry because all of their trusted pundits and their trusted journalists have been saying for a week or so that Salah's done it's going to happen so it was even in that part of the world it was even in that country where Barry was spinning the same sort of web of lies and sort of cocksuredness that it was going to be a thing so we were kind of seeing it and going not sure but they were seeing it and going oh happy days like because the highest people in their media world were saying yeah Salah's coming don't worry about it and then when it did and they were all left fuming so it's been I mean it's caused a lot of controversy hasn't it this Saudi stuff this summer but I think the Salah saga has probably been the most fascinating one to watch because it's such a high profile player for them but the fact that they have been influencing journalists and pundits alike is a really interesting dynamic yeah yeah it's um I mean, Chloe, it's to be expected. And, of course, we've seen a, a path well-trodden over the summer, really. Obviously, Mbappe turned the move down, but he's pretty much been the only one. And understandably so, because he's got so much of his career. Not just as well. Uh, okay, yeah, I didn't. I, uh, um, but the Salah stuff, it's just its just obvious. I think everyone knows he's probably going to end up there at some point. We've seen Liverpool already deal on Fabinho and Henderson. And then when you start to talk about you know sums of money, plus what everyone knows about Liverpool's ownership and how much money is required by the club and all that kind of stuff, it did seem... It was so so plausible that Salah would would accept, um, but it just it just meant we were all far more on edge for far longer than we should have been because again it comes down to it. James Pierce put the tweet out when the first big come out like that's it Liverpool and Liverpool have said no and they consider the business the matter closed, but no one truly believed that because yeah because there was so much smoke and you presume there must be fire. Yeah, and also we we know that. They've just come to Liverpool on deadline day, whopped a 150 mil bid down for you know one of the best players in the world. They don't care who you are, they come, they'll put whatever on the table. And I think everyone was scared that they'd put a price on the table where FSG would turn around and say, my God, we're not going to get that next year. Um, let's let's go for it. I, I think the other thing was, uh, Fabrizio Romano, since you know the transfer windows ended, has came out and said, he gets messages from players, from agents saying, oh, could you put this out for me? Oh, could you do this for me? So obviously they've done a bit of that with all of their journalists. And the journalists, whether they get paid off or whatever, have put it out. Sky Sports ran with it because there was absolutely nothing else interesting on deadline day. Um, and also he is obviously going to be the, the main target for them. He's in peak condition at, at his age. He's still one of the greatest in the world. I think we all know he'll end up there next season, but it was just completely blown out of proportion. It, it had you on edge for a couple of days because there was rumours of 175, then it went up to 200 mil before this 175 came in. And because in. we've all got a figure in our heads. Yes. Yeah. And when it starts to get close to that, you're thinking, oh, God. If they add another 50 on there, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Um, but thank- thankfully that didn't happen, and it just goes to show that... Um, you know, transfer windows very much and just, it's like Chinese whispers in terms of someone will say something, someone will make it even bigger, it'll go on, someone else will add bits to it. Um, and in the end, a, a lot of it isn't true. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's going to carry on. There's no way we escape this, is there, Chris? And just the idea is, you know, eventually Liverpool will deal and hopefully they get the deal that, that kind of matters to them. But it's interesting because it, what we don't know is we've seen all these deals led by the players and that's the thing we'll never be truly clued in on is because that was a lot of the talk was like, well, Salah's kind of said he's in, he'll have the conversations with them or whatever. And like, well, obviously he's going to listen to if someone says I'm going to, would you be interested in hearing maybe what I might be prepared to pay? Yeah, he's not going to say no. Um, but yeah, you know, this is the modern way the transfers are done now and it means that there's no, there is actually no way to ever truly shut these things down. No, it's interesting actually because I think, you know, we, we mentioned a couple of players that have sort of turned them down. I imagine there'll be loads more that just won't have made the news. I think Kevin De Bruyne did as well, came yeah. out over the weekend. Kevin De Bruyne and somebody else who a name escapes me, but De Bruyne was one who was I've he, also yeah. rejected. The, uh... And and, and was that one. No, he's spoken about it, but it wasn't rejected. I'll find that way to he, he, he definitely, you know, there'll be loads of players, sorry, like that, who've just, was it Lewandowski, was it? Yeah. yeah. And and you might find out in the fullness of time, but they're not, it's not in their best interest to spin that yarn, is it, in the news? They don't want people rejecting them. They only want the people who've gone there. And, and it makes feel like nobody can turn them down, but players can turn them down when they want to, can't they? Um, the Salah stuff, the big thing for me is, I never got the impression that it was just the about money for him and that, that being said I never got the impression it was just about money for, for Jordan as well now the difference there between those two players is I think one of those two players has the ability to continue to win things for a few more years and I don't think Jordan did in a, in the first team of a, of a side week in week out there's a difference there you know what I mean he could be part of a squad that goes and wins trophies definitely he ain't going to be the main man in the side for the next three years like Salah can be yeah. so I think his legacy is a footballing legacy that he's trying to carve out Salah and I think that you know that might be wrong it might be that after this season it ends up going and, and, and stuff like that but I think you've got to know your body yourself as well haven't you I think the greats in sports all know I mean over the weekend Novak Djokovic wins the US Open and says <coughs> I feel good I'm going to continue to go and you worry at like what number he's going to stop at but then you know with Steven Gerrard that I think that last season for us he kind of realised that like he can't do it to the level that he was I'm not playing the games and I can't actually I can't walk into the manager's office anymore and say I'm good to go for 50 games a season because it's not the case and that, and that when you are an absolute alpha sort of football player must be so hard when you've been at the absolute peak of your sport for the best part of 20 years and you're watching lads run around for Southampton who were, you know, faster than you, stronger than you, can pass you off the park now and you must just feel terrible and at that point you take a bow and you go somewhere where you think you can make an impact Yeah, and I don't think Salah's anywhere close to being there yet. Yeah, and again, it comes back to the project, doesn't it? It's like, what does the Saudi League look like next summer? Who are the next? Because if, you know, this was like um, effectively year zero. Well, year zero was bringing Ronaldo in, wasn't it? This was the first summer of them going at it. And I think all of us were taken aback by the levels. We we're going to be doing this on the Biased uh, Football Podcast on Redman Plus afterwards in a bit more depth. But, you know, if there's another raft of you know, good level footballers, all of a sudden, you know, the, the the percentage of those players in those 11s starts to get past the tipping point where you've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 players of a good a good enough standard and the facilities start to get there, then it becomes more of a, a case whereas Salah's lucky, he, he's such a machine that I don't see, that offer's never going to not be on the table. It's just, the, I think the question comes for Liverpool is, what is that 
what's the crossover mm. point where you're going to get the maximum value from the player and in the resale value at some point. But yeah, interesting to see what, what comes of that next, really. Right. Um, we may as well continue the tradition of strange cultural problems and people getting really angry uh, at people and talk about the refereeing in this country. Um, Van Dyke has his ban extended. He's accepted it. He's admitted that he's apologised. Chloe, um, I... If we're going down this path of like, we're, we're, it's like we've now got to be super respectful to referees and no one's allowed to like, you know, say anything horrible to them, which, I, which I'm not against, by the way. Um, Can we make them up though? Yeah. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Which I've said it would be the solution to the problem. Footballers would stop swearing at referees if it started to hamper their brand deals because you could hear them, you know, effing and jeffing constantly on, 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 on Sunday football. Um, if other footballers are going to get these kind of bans throughout the season, then this is absolutely fair. But I honestly would not be shocked if no one else got a, got a ban like this. And that's the most annoying part about the Van Dyke situation. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, look, there's been... I mean, I know the rules changed this season, but there was many things last season that, you know, Bruno Fernandes, you know, pushing a linesman. There's like... Cannot imagine the amount of people who surround the ref last season. Liverpool are one of them. Where I've always turned around. I mean, do exactly what the rest of them do and go and hound them. Then because if everyone else does it, you should mm-hmm. be able to do it. Um, they've used a very high-profile player in Virgil Van Dijk, a very big football club. Um, and look, if they continue to clamp down on it, and and you know this happens every week because it should happen every week because we watch football, we see what happens. Um, then I'm okay with it, you know, saying, but but there never is because if they can't get decisions right that they can look at on replay 10 different times, they're not going to continue to ban every single person that swears. Um, I'd like to know exactly what, what Virgil said. Did he just say that the decision was an effing joke? Because if so, mm. I don't see what, what is wrong with that. I'm okay with that. It's not If he's not personally attacked you, he's just said that's an effing joke, then I'm okay with that because I can imagine loads of footballers do that with every decision, whether there's no booking here or no foul here or there is a foul and you've hardly touched them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, but the have picked a, a big stature football team and a, a big player to, to clamp down it will not continue because if you there'll are, be too many people if you're going to get it for something what word would you want to use it's oh, not that is it it's more no. it's deeper than that but then again you want to be more, more direct to his face yeah I'd want to personally attack him yeah. it's like when Pepe Reina got sent off for lightly stroking Iron Robin's neck yeah. and you're just like just deck him yeah. if you knew you were getting a red card yeah. and you get a fine Sam yeah. the best of Elden Fanny Jeffers but, though, yeah. yeah but was it it was a hundred grand he got fined grand, yeah. for it and if it was Paul Turney, what would be the word that you use? <laughs> I, I, I've said a lot of bad words on this show, but I'm not sure I could say a word that I call Paul Turney on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just mad, isn't it? I, I, and again, I, it, I think the comparing stuff to previous seasons is just a way to stoke up more anger around it, to go, well, this happened last year and this happened last year. And like, yeah, I know, but they were being nowhere near as protective of referees in those previous years. This is what they're going for. Mm-hmm. and it's, But again, it's like anything, is, is this going to carry on? Because we said about the Newcastle game, like Trent got booked for throwing the ball away. I'm sorry, but he never, he threw the ball back onto the pitch, by the way, um, probably to take a quick free kick because he felt he'd just been fouled by Anthony Gordon. But then, you know, you get people booked for, for, for miming yellow cards, and I saw that happen in that game. So Anthony Gordon kicked the ball away in that game. 
Is it all? This the is something that the Premier League do at the start of every yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. They go four or five games where they go, right, this is what we're going to make a big deal out of. After the fifth or sixth game, they've made an example of somebody and it yeah. just drops off. The added time will probably be yeah. the same. Do you remember that season where... Um, they were going at every everyone in the penalty area. Mike Skirtle got... I'm um, sorry, Mike Skirtle. <laughs> Martin Skirtle. He said Mike Dean. Martin Skirtle got done about three times yeah. near the beginning of the season and nothing happened to any other team throughout the end of it. This is just what they do. They, they mm. go, right, OK, we're going to go really hard. It's going to be against Liverpool and then we're going to forget it for the rest of the season for every team. Well, do you remember Everton? One of their strikers, I can't remember who it was now, he got done retrospectively for diving. And he's the only one to this day to ever be done for it because he just binned it off straight away. He got, he did dive on the edge of the box, and they'll know. Toffy lads will know. Um, oh, yeah, he's on the wall, right in the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Book of yeah. yeah exactly. It, it, I remember that it must be a Merseyside thing, and they did ban him. I think it was like two games retrospectively for diving. So, right, that's it. That's what we're going to do now. We've set a precedent. That's us forever, and it's never happened since. And it's, it's just goes to show. It's just the fertile breeding ground for conspiracy theory you know because my, my honest take was the second Van Dyke got sent off went, there's no way that's getting overturned why it was a yeah, red card because they overturned McAllister the week before and I can't see the referees twice admitting twice in two weeks that they got it wrong Um and you know, and, and I think that's why they were very quick to get the audio out there for that one to make everyone see. Hang, hang on a second, this is what's been done, and most people who listen to it went, "Okay, fair, fair enough." Go on, Claire. It's the it's the one with Unana where they've just basically yeah. told you out loud exactly why it should be a foul and a penalty, yeah. and he goes, "Yeah, yeah." So I've seen this. He jumps and he just clatters into the man. Yeah, yeah. He's got none of the ball there. Okay, yeah. No, I'm happy to give not a foul. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's late. <laughs> it's, sure, Are you sure? it's late. It's clumsy. It's in the penalty area. Play on. So I've got, I've got two apples, and you've got two apples, and then so I go one, two, three, four. The answer is five. And yeah. you go, what? You just, you just heard you working out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, and then there was the one where it's offside, and the the like um and R and that first. Yeah, he's definitely offside. He's not in the keeper's line, but he does move his foot towards the ball here, you know? Mm, I wonder if that's like, you know, it, like is that an attempt? No, because he's moved it after the ball's gone. No, he just had shit reactions. Yeah, and, he's and, slow, mate. Yeah, he was very slow. And it, it's just mad how they come to these conclusions. And that's why these things, if they're put into place, are perfect as long as the the referees who are putting them into place are actually decent at their jobs in the rest of the football pitch, but they're not. The more rules you create, the more gaps there are between the rules, and therefore the more people it doesn't apply to are the more exceptions, and then the more rules you have to create to make exceptions for the exceptions, and then the more fume and stuff like that. We're trying to create we're trying to create this thing in football where it's like a, a catch-all where we can solve all the problems in a sport that is basically impossible to do it. You know, we're bringing technology in it doesn't. It doesn't cover it because again, VAR is another bunch of people with subjective Don't worry about, decisions. No, the VAR stuff. They, they've got that completely right. Remember, <laughs> we do not want to be sat here week in week out talking about subjective decisions <laughs> anymore. But... No. Okay, they yeah. fixed that, haven't they? Well, we're not I, anymore. I said this fucking two years ago. I said we're on a pathway to someone saying it's all right because VAR decisions level themselves out throughout the season. <laughs> like, no, no, that's what we had before. Just fucking sack it off. 
So is it just because the referees just want to get more more of their mates in work? Yeah. Maybe. Is that what it is? More jobs for referees, more jobs for the boys. Yeah. That's what it is. Oh my god. Horrendous. Um so anyway, a ban for Verge, mercifully, um Liverpool. I've got loads of defenders who never get injured, so I'm sure we'll be fine to cope without him for another game. Um Okay. Um we're gonna take a short break. When we return, we're gonna be talking about what comes next post international break for the Mighty Reds, the games and uh, how we're feeling about all that is in a sec. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, yes, welcome back. Fill your boots over on redmanmerch.com if you haven't done so already. Some amazing stuff uh, to keep you looking cool as we head from summer, those last few warm days, into those autumnal weather that Chloe's clearly dressed for uh, with your earth tones. I can't wait to wear hoodies again. <laughs> it's only been like five days. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I did bring a jacket down in case I was cold here as well. Right. I'm <laughs> showing it Pretty as well. True story. It's sweltering in here as well. Yeah, it is. Right, okay, let's go through it then. Liverpool. My ears are filling up with sweat and she's bringing jackets down. Just in case. Hey, it was cold outside. Yeah. Last winter. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, let's go through Liverpool's upcoming fixtures then. Obviously, we know we've been Villa before the break. Uh, up on Saturday, the half 12 kickoff in Wolverhampton. Liverpool take on Wolves. Uh, we then got Lask in the Europa League. Um, West Ham at home. Then uh, Leicester City at home in the EFL Cup third round, which another year I'd totally forgotten about that being a thing. Uh, away to Tottenham Hotspur on the 30th of September. Uh, then we've got uh, Union St. Gilwars visiting us at Anfield for the 8 o'clock kickoff uh, on the 5th. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion away from home before the next international break. Um, Dan, how are we feeling about that? Anything stand out to you? Um, excited, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, I really am. Obviously, the start of the season that we've had has filled me with much more optimism about what's to come. Um, the fact we haven't seen Van Gravenberg introduced into this yet as well is really something to get very excited about in my opinion but in terms of fixtures I mean the Brighton game you just mentioned there that one's probably the most I mean Tottenham as well obviously the way they've started the season is really positive but I think it's actually quite a favourable set of fixtures and it's easy to say that but when they come thick and fast like this in years gone by sort of taking last season in particular out of the equation that suits us and we look at little pet spells in the season and go well that looks tricky and all of a sudden we emerge from it smelling the roses and you go okay sound because that's what Klopp 
historically has got us sort of geared up towards and everything's been sort of pre-planned towards runs of fixtures like this one and like the ones we're going to see the back end of this year as well towards Christmas obviously so I'm really really optimistic about what we're capable of certainly in this next little block because I've always said this Liverpool under Klopp at their best are at their best when these games keep happening playing every three days suits us down to the ground when we're playing well yeah Chloe, anything in there that you thought? I mean, I was a, li- I'm a little apprehensive about just a couple of runs of games in there, particularly the back end one. But anything stood out to you? Um, Spurs will be a good test because you know I think they've shocked a lot of people. James Madison's been an incredible signing for them. I think. I don't know about you, but I think they're overachieving at this moment. I did not expect them to do that, especially with the fact that they had Richarlison up front and yeah. he's crying on benches over in Brazil because he can't even stay on the pitch. Um, so I'm, I'm, that'll be a good test because by then you'll know if... You know, this is just a, it's a start of the season. Not Notting's tried to phase Spurs just yet, even if they have had Manchester United. Manchester United were crap at that moment. So by the time that we face them, you'll know if they're actually a really good yeah. side yeah. or if there was just a, a bounce to the start of the season and the new players coming in. So I think that'll be a really good test. And Brighton away, oh my God, that last season was an absolute nightmare every single time we yeah. faced them. Um <laughs> And that'll be an incredible test as well, especially with their additions, you know, and Sufati. We haven't even seen what he's going to be like, but I can only imagine he's going to be absolutely thunderous for them. Um, so there's two really testing games towards the end. I'm happy that the game that, and I don't, ugh, let me touch wood. Um, I'm, you know, Virgil's out of Wolves and Wolves at this moment in time aren't doing good. I can deal with that. But Liverpool will need to be lucky with some injuries for that run of games, which is, is the big problem for me. Uh, but so, just give me Sobis lie back please because I've been watching him in international break and he <coughs> looks incredible no matter what team he's playing for I'm looking forward to the answers that we're going to get to the, the questions that the first sort of four games of the season have thrown up yeah. so like how is Gravenberch going to fit into this side is McAllister going to continue to be used yeah. as mm. a six or is Endo going to get in there or is Gravenberch going to be Japan in against there? Germany so I mean Hansi Flick got sacked off the back of that yeah. game as well didn't he which was a bit of a nuts one um, so yeah th- there's obviously that is Trent going to continue to go inside is Robinson going to continue to improve playing the sort of left back left sided centre half role what is the plan with Darwin Nunes is he now the nine or is Jota going to go back or where's Gakpo going to fit in is he a midfielder is he a striker they're all the things that I look at those four games that we started the season with I look at all the, the lineups that we've come out and they're all questions and I'm like oh well, is Nunes a horse for courses? Was it because he knew that Aston Villa were going to play a high line? Because he's played Gakpo in every game up until that yeah. point and Jota started in the nine and all this. So that's the exciting stuff for me is we're going to get an idea of what Jürgen thinks this Liverpool side is. Yeah, I did. The Europa League's just a really interesting wrinkle in all this because, you know, two games a week, Liverpool should be perfectly used to that. We've got the squad that should be capable for it as well. But there's always, we fall, we forget this every time we're in the Europa League because there's a bit of like, oh, it's the Europa League. It's the second tier European co- competition. Therefore, it'll be piss. And it tends to, you know, you tend to do all right in it, but it's never quite as straightforward as you always think it is because what the problem with being Liverpool and these is that it's the biggest game in every one of these players' careers who come up against you. Well, you just have to look at the celebrations yeah. on the day when they yeah. drew Liverpool. San yeah. was the one, wasn't it? Like, you know... Yeah. 
And you saw, I mean, we went again. It was, obviously, it was Champions League, but we went to to Red Star Belgrade away, and that that was they treated that like it was a, a set like a European Cup semi final. You know, there was no more. There'd have been no more hostility if it was that. You know, I think back to like the coach greetings we've given to like Roman and Man City and Barcelona and all that kind of stuff, like. They they were just it was horrible it was brutal it was nasty it was spitting and biting and throwing stuff and all that kind of stuff it was it was horrible but um that was yeah that was it you know it was a, a real opportunity for them to kind of say well you know we won a European Cup it's a big game for us we're a big team it's a chance to put our names back on the map I'm not saying that they, I don't know I don't know anything about Union Saint Gilwas my time for research will come in due course on that but. Again, hopefully it's a bit more of like, oh, isn't it nice for playing Liverpool, <laughs> clapping everyone on, clapping, oh, Liverpool, thanks so much for coming. Um, but it doesn't always go that way. And the additional thing, Chris, is for me, it's that back end of that run. It's Tottenham away. Then we've got Union and Gilwaz at home and then Brighton away in that spell. And that's the closest thing we've got to that. We have one of them every year. Now, it's normally we play Man City on the back of playing some sort of Champions League game. Away normally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But that's an interesting test to have it almost be reversed where the league fixtures are are more important than the... uh, than the, 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 the yeah, European I think I, I think he approaches the the group stages of the Europa in the same way as he's approached the Champions League. To be honest, where I think it's the second team are going to be going out there. You might see Bendo get minutes. You might see Thiago sort of captain that side if he's fit and available. Um, but I think the focus, as you sort of allude to, there is the Premier League games, and you know we've historically done really well against Tottenham um, at their place, at our place, wherever. So it's going to be a big test of where they are mentally as a team. You know, because although Harry Kane's not there and they've brought in a few new lads, you do find that when you've got a problem with a side, it seems to, it doesn't matter who's in charge and it doesn't matter who the players are. It just, I mean, ask Everton. They've had, you know, they've had it with us for years and years now, haven't they? So I think, I think we'll be too good for Tottenham and I am quite bored of everybody big and brighten up already, right? To throw out, a, you know, a, a, a random shout. Like, the way that words like incredible and stuff get thrown around when we're talking about a team that we finished higher than when we were shit last season, <laughs> like, is really great. You know what I mean? Now they are a good side. Yeah. They're not a great side. Yeah. They're a good side with a good manager and good players, as far as I see it at the moment. Yeah. But I think Liverpool are a better side. Well, this is, that's the, the big one, because there's... A clear win. If we're looking at how Liverpool construct the season, Dan, mm. there's zero points from that fixture last season away at Brighton. You know oh, yeah. I mean? And it was probably a, a, up there. That and Wolves are probably the two darkest moments of the season yeah. in terms of that, where it all kind of felt like it was. It was not just bad. It was never going to kind of recover. Um, if you're going to chart your way to getting more points this season and being more competitive, then you know Brighton. Because Chris is right. Look, they are. A, they're a fabulous little team. Um, Careful, huge, <laughs> huge. Um, but they've got our number, yeah, well, and they've actually given us some good games in recent years. That's going to be the big test for how, how far Liverpool have, have, have changed this year. Yeah, massively so. Yeah, and I think it started with us and them in the Anfield game. Actually, we went two 0 up, didn't we? And they picked us back to two two two. Yeah, and then and also and then obviously the FA Cup game as well at their place to give us a good hiding in. So they definitely will be going into that game 
full of confidence and thinking they can beat us. So that will be um, a test of where we're at as well as them, I think. We were sort of speaking about Tottenham, and I agree with Chris in, ter- in terms of, I don't think Tottenham are the real deal just yet. I think they will drop off and sort of us going there might be the start of that potentially for them. And sort of there's levels to this game, lads. You stay in your lane a little bit. But with Brighton, we're better than Brighton. I think a lot of the credit that goes towards Brighton is more the fact of the way they do it yeah. and how they just unearth these lads from South America and then sell them for 100 million more a little bit later on um, so yeah I think that's a lot of the credit for them but in terms of where we're at we just have to look at those games like we did in the past and last season was the outlier in terms of that we went into them the Wolves one you mentioned broken as a football team essentially we would go into every single away day no matter where it was and thinking if we don't get the rubber to green in the first 10-15 we're done here and that's how it turned out almost every single time so we need to be going into these games now with our new look squad and our sort of rejuvenated lads and say, no, we're going to come here and we're going to dictate terms and we're going to win the game. And Brighton will be a, a no difference to that, in my opinion. But it's fascinating, like also, like Chris said, in terms of there are a few questions, really exciting questions, really positive, fun questions to be having, sort of debating where lads are going to fit in and stuff like that. And I wonder with the inverted stuff, like to me now it looks as though you can't do that, and Chris will know better than I will on it, you can't do that system if everything isn't perfect, that's how it seems. When you go down to 10 men, that system's gone. When mm-hmm. you haven't got the ball, that system's gone. Your team has to be nailed on perfect for Trent to be able to go into midfield. So if we do start seeing more and more of that, that again means things are going pretty well. And we don't even know where Trent's at, do we? We, we yeah. imagine he's missing the Wolves game, thinking about it as so. well. Well, it's going to be possibly quantum and Matip at centre-half. You've got Gomez at right-back. Mm. Yeah, there's a possibility. Or again, there's, 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 there's other things you can kind of do. But it's none of them feel totally ideal for what Liverpool are doing because the only other time we've seen Trent not do it, we've seen Conor Bradley do it, is also also injured, of course. And it's the flip the inversion where we put that was them putting Simicass in, which was no Robertson in the mm. team. So it is whether we just go a bit more traditional. But Liverpool are going to have a good season. They're going to need flexibility, and that comes in a number of forms. That comes in formation, but also variations on the formation and the, the inversion thing. That was what was really interesting about the, the last week. Certainly, was Trent not doing it not being as advanced quarterbacking it more because it just asked them to, it asked different questions of what their team was going to do hopefully we've reached the stage where we've got the flexibility in the players and there's been enough time on the training ground to be able to give us a little bit more of like not being like this is now the new formation let's just smash this to the opponents and hope that it works because that was what Undid Brendan Rodgers. Ultimately, you know, he was he was quite obviously a good coach, but he had his new way of playing. He moved to three at the back, and it worked for a bit. And then eventually, you run. You, you, it's the element of surprise that you're losing people clock onto you. When that happens, you've got to know your system. You've got to know yourself inside and out. And this thing that Pep wrote about in his book, Pep Linders, of like sorting it out on the pitch yourselves. That's what I want to know. I want to know whether this is all like it's one way of working or, you know, are the players intelligent enough to be able to pick it up? That Wolves game is actually, we've mentioned Brighton, Chloe, but obviously we touched upon this as well. It's another one. We were abject at Wolves. I'm actually kind of glad we've got that first because that's actually another one that you can kind of pin on the board a little bit to get you up up and running with. They're not as good as Brighton. And if we can go there even with even without Trent and go and get some sort of thing, it's a great way to kick this little run off positively. Yeah, it, it is. And also, you know, we know how much we also hate half 12 kickoffs. Mm. So, um, and even this season, look, we've not started games perfectly. Bournemouth scored two in the, in, in the space of two minutes. Luckily, one of them was offside. Um, we 
we we still have fragility from from things of last season um with the high line and things where if teams do sort us out it, it is a problem for us but it's about adapting in the game. Wolves will hopefully be one of those where we can show that we can do it no matter the per- no matter the personnel on the football pitch. We don't need, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold, our best passer of a football. Maybe not after Dominic Soberslide passed the other day. Um but it was very judiciously cut before the was... guy got that under control, by the way, before we uh, before we give him too much credit on that. Um but if we can go and show that, you know, we, we can change it up not always need the the big players because it seems like this system that we've changed to is just made around Trent it is basically you're going to be it for the next 10 years how do we get you in the best place on the pitch and what do we do around you um and yeah, it, it, it'll it also be good because look how many options that we have there. We've mentioned Ryan Gravenberch. I am so excited to see where he plays, what his position is. I'm so excited to see whether Darwin Nunes starts, what happens with Luis Diaz, what happens, you know, with the Diogo Jota, Cody Gapo. Does he go back to an eight? What what do we do with McAllister? There's so many boss questions there. Um, and, you know, if there's a... I, 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 once again, don't jinx it, but if there's a team where you can maybe test the waters out a bit, it might be Wolves, but you need to make sure that in the Premier League you're on it and you're concentrated because any football team in the Premier League can shock you. Where, where's Kanate up to with his injury? I not heard anything. I think he's playing the weekend. I heard a rumour that he'd be back, but I've not heard anything specifically on that. Um, there's no need to rush him, unless, you've got, unless there's a major problem with... The, the lads that we've mentioned already, because we talked about you, you hinted at it <clears throat> the other, and it was mentioned in the comments. Actually, let me uh, see if I can grab up the. I mean, it, it wasn't specifically him saying this, but Lee Wizkid in the comments saying Stefan will be trained up as Trent's understudy. Ultimately, something I mentioned at the start of the summer. There's something. There might be something in that. You know, mm. you don't want to make wild changes because Gomez can come in and do a right back job, but I do want him inverted. He'll. He'll do it if he's asked, and he is confident on the ball. And I'm not sure anyone necessarily said John Stones would have been a brilliant candidate for it um, a year or so ago. But mm. I wonder whether there might be something in that. The more depends on Canate how long it's going to take Canate to get back. I wouldn't be looking to rely on more of our centre halves playing football if I thought he wasn't coming back anytime soon. If, you get, if that makes sense, yeah, I wouldn't I'm be looking to play three centre halves a game. I think in the future, certainly, Bacetic could be able to do it and stuff but he had the option to bring Bacetic on in the last game but he decided to move Joe Gomez over to the right when Trent got injured I think that's probably the safest option now it might be different when you've got a couple of weeks to plan for it and Bacetic hasn't gone anywhere yeah. So, but I think the likelihood is that it just sticks with Gomez and Quanta comes in so he played with Spain on yeah. 21s oh, he, he played centre back for Spain on 21s yeah. it's actually a good thing because he's played some football now yeah. which he yeah. hasn't done prior to that this I season. wonder whether yeah, we just don't know what the deal is with because we've clearly been very protective of him. It's kind of surprising, you know, it goes back to the McAllister starting in the six. We technically had two of the lads who, who are more built for that role uh, in the Villa game who didn't, they didn't yeah. start it. We chose McAllister instead. So it is interesting to see what we do with that. And Bichetic mentioned in an, I don't know where it was interviewed, but I saw the quotes of him saying, like, I'll get my game at six, but I'll, I, I think I, I'll get games elsewhere as well. And I think immediately you think, well, he played a bit of eight for us, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure how much eight he'll play for us because we've got loads of lads who play there all of a sudden. So that's the one for me. That, that, it could be that because that goes back to your questions thing and Trent's not going to play 60 games playing in that position who is doing it in the Europa League and it goes back to where's your, where's your depth do you want to move a centre-half a centre out to right-back 
given again the injury issues. If you get reliant on Gomez as a right back and then he gets injured playing at right back, well then you've lost a centre half covering the doing it. To get questions, questions with no answers. Uh, Marley Clark here says, uh, "Quanta will be the next generational talent." I feel him becoming a new Trent type lad. Um, go ahead, Marley. I'm here for the. I'm, I'm here for the glass half full approach to everything. But um, that he, he I, I want to see more of Quanta. I just want to. Like yeah, I want to get more of a sense of what he is. I watched. I was pleasantly surprised, Chloe, by Reese Williams and what he was able to achieve. But it always felt like he was lacking. So Pakes was what he was lacking ultimately, and we saw it with Phillips as well. Um, I so true. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I don't really know how to judge Quanta because we've not seen enough of him. But shape wise, he looks like he, he has. He's got all the things that you might need, but we can't know until he plays footy. More. Yeah, I think it was Newcastle. Obviously, comes on in that game, and I think we're all dead shocked. In fact, his passing sides. Maybe Salah who flicks it round the corner to Jota who tries to put it in behind to Nunes. That ball inside is so intelligent, and I would not expect that from a teenager. I'd have expected him to just lay it out wide to Trent and have say, "Yeah, Trent, you're in space after that." But he chose, you know, the the option that was a risk reward, but it worked out, and I like that. Um, and since he came in, I've I've seen uh, I've not. Uh, as of yet I've not seen him do anything that's been horrific I've I've seen him he stands up tall he wins headers you know he's he's very physical but also his awareness there's I, I remember Aston Villa he, he comes on in, in that game and we pen them in but a ball comes up and I think it's like Diaby one on one with them with them all sort of pressing him and into the crap in the bed he just takes a touch lays it off quickly to Robertson and we're away again um, his composure there for, for a young lad and yet we've only seen sample sizes but so far it looks brilliant he looks like he could be a unit do I think he's going to be Trent no do I think he could be more like Virgil van Dijk or Canate yes because he's an out and out centre back um, but it's just another option because we keep talking about this Robertson situation on the left-hand side and how much will it be in a couple of years' time to go and replace him? If you've built Quonset up with yeah. a decent amount of games, experience, and he looks like he could be the real deal, and you've shifted, obviously, when I've seen him, he played the right uh, against Newcastle and then he played the left, I think, against Villa. Um, if you can mould him into something, there's 40, 50 mil that you can save on a player in several years' time. It's whether he's a place card. Until you go out, you know, because we yeah. couldn't get Colwell and we know what, and, it, and you couldn't get Incapier and all those kind of stuff. And is it you just there because he's the broad shape of what you're going yeah. for? I say, like Phillips and, and, and Reese Williams in that regard, is that if you have to play them, he's fine. But it has been encouraging that we have chosen to, to use him where we could have done, we could have moved, shifted some other bits and pieces around. As mentioned, you know, you could keep Gomez at centre half and you could put someone else in there. Could but have put the Shimakas in, you know, all those kind of you stuff. You could have kept Matt Phillips as well. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Mate, you could have yeah. kept him Around. They'd be trusted Quanta again, haven't you? Like but, you say, uh, the, the the addition to that is: would Phillips have got a game in the games Quanta's got? Almost certainly not. Exactly, because mm-hmm. we've yeah. seen that for the last two years. The Phillips doesn't get brought yeah. on in those situations. Yeah, I agree. So I think obviously couple that with the fact that he let Phillips go, and then Quanta starts getting used. You've got to think there there is confidence in this lad. Definitely. Uh, Leighton Page is back on the Batesic, uh stuff. Says uh, Batesic has been a centre back for most of his youth career. He can be a good Trent understudy and should be comfortable in Burton again. Yeah, we'll we'll see that Europa League stuff. I think I think we're going to take that first game very seriously, and that, by very seriously, I mean bear in mind we made like. We play like we started Diva Career against AC Milan first Champions League group game at Anfield and everyone was like, What what? Um 
but there's something similar to that where we could we could legitimately make probably like four changes and you still had a really good level of a, of a side for that but it's I think a lot of us have got this idea of like, well, that's Doak's competition, that's Quantas' competition, and that's Pachetta's competition, and Harvey Elliott and and and, and Curtis Jones. Be wild, you know. We, we might if you just change the full. I'm just there nodding along to yeah. all of them. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fine for me. Well, exactly. I don't Kelleher. believe that's yeah. right. Yeah, Kelleher, yeah. Come on, Kelleher. Yeah. Uh, I think Kelleher, yeah, you've you got him. Yeah. You Especially the noise, yeah, the noise in go. the summer about him going. I think a conversation might have been yeah, had there. We'll give you over. Fuming if he doesn't play. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I'd, be more, I'd be more eight are you, changes. Are you reckoning the then that he goes, like if Liverpool go the whole way, it's Kelleher's competition? No, I'd put Alisson back in for the final, but Jürgen wouldn't. I'd, I'd give it Kelleher the whole did way. Did it for the yeah. FA or did he not play him in the FA? He didn't give him the FA, did he? I'd give him the whole thing. You'd give him the whole thing. I'd be shocked if that happens. Okay. I'd give him the I'd give Allison the final if it came down to it. Give him the group game, see how he does. If he's yeah. crap, play Allison. He can have the league cup again. Um, <laughs> Nothing yeah. says this is a great competition like giving <laughs> Kelleher the league cup and the Europa League. Is <laughs> there? <laughs> Shit! If he's good it's enough, fine. he's good enough. I think he's good enough. I think he I is. Do, but yeah. I think he's good enough. Is the like? Okay, what are we doing it for? Is it just in case of an Allison injury? Because I can I can understand that. I think there's that, but also you've because you own because yeah, but are we keeping Kelleher for the next five <laughs> Dan to ten rubs years? Fingers together vigorously to make yeah. him more valuable. At some point, yeah, yeah, you want you want okay. a, a body That's of fine. work that you can I, point that towards. I, understand. I just you don't. Can... It's it's both. It's all of that because what what happens if Allison just falls off a cliff? I don't mean physically, like you know, literally. I mean like what if he just. It's a, it's a level, or he gets he decides at the end of the season, I've won everything now. I just I've, I've had enough of playing at Liverpool, and you've then got to go out. You need to you need to keep pushing Kelleher while he's your goalie because he's your goalie until you sell him, and then you can worry about that after the fact. You know, it, no one else is stepping up. Pitaluga, as much as he looked amazing in those three saves he made from training that was all over Twitter the day, amazing by the way. Um, you know, I spoke to him in the summer. He's still a, he's still young. He's still a young lad, um, and you know to go from was it Macclesfield? Yeah. He was on loan, and he wasn't even fully on loan. He was he's still training at the at the Axel over you know throughout that. He's the next in line, and then obviously you've got Adrian's just kind of making up the numbers at this point. So I, I get your point. Is that if you just just play your best goalie at all times, but while you've got him. If he's crap, don't play him. If he's uh, but if he's crap, he's sell not him. being crap. He's going to be a good goalkeeper. Yeah. I think we all know that. Like. Yeah. Also, Allison has had quite a, a fair amount of injuries mm. for Liverpool, more than I, I've probably ever seen any other goalkeeper who's played for us. So, if there was a case where I he's also been long enough, he's been here long enough to get injured yes. as well because he he's has, good enough. But to that keep it game, out. the start of the season, the first game at Anfield, no. five minutes in, where he just hoofed the ball and went off injured because he'd pulled something. I think I think you need to show that to Callagher you have the belief and trust in him. So if you do give him a you know so many Europa League games, see I'd give him FA Cup and League Cup. Okay, I think that's what I'd do. I would I would prioritise the Europa League. We'll over be the FA out Cup. of them after the first round. Then it's his fault. Should have saved the ball. I mean, I don't think they come around. I don't think they come around often enough because you're right. If if a disaster does happen, like it did in that Norwich game, and you suddenly, I mean, we called an Adrian. He'd been in the club for like 24 hours at that point, so that wasn't ideal. But you'd ideally have Kelleher with some football under his belt. So if Allison does break down for whatever reason, touch wood, that never happens. Of course, you can look at Kelleher and go, "Your sound. You played in the week. On you go." I I suppose the the guarantee of six games makes sense. 
I don't. I like again. I don't think Virgil Van Dijk plays this competition. I don't think, and I don't think Allison does because and Sal, and, and I don't think Salah does unless he, he demands it because these are all lads who are in the who are the wrong side of thirty. Who are your best players? Who you need to get the best out of? And realistically, at some point, we talk about Salah being up for sale. At some point, you might want to move them on. At some point, and it would be nice going back to the Quanta point. If you if you've already got their replacements at the football club, then it would be nice if they were close to ready to make that sort of step. So if you've got Doke, Quanta, and Elliot, for example, who can get five, four, is it six games of football? Six. You know, in in, in Europe. Um, in addition to the first round or a couple of rounds, maybe of the of the league cup before Christmas. The interesting so, thing is what he, what he does with the right back thing yeah. in in that competition and when Trent's fit yeah. as well, isn't it? Because you know we might get a, an idea of what the future actually holds if Trent's fit and available, and he decides to not play him because you don't want to be playing Trent in that competition really either. Mm, yeah, interesting point actually um, from Ali here saying Virgil will play the first one because after his ban, that's a possibility as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, okay, so between now, we're going to be sat here on the 9th of October, oh, looking down the barrel of the next international break, Liverpool will have played four league games and three cup games in that time. I won't be sitting here then, it's my daughter's birthday. <laughs> um, and I have to the royal we forgotten about, um, we're all going to London on my anniversary. Ooh. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. How have you done that? <laughs> I didn't remember the date. <laughs> How many years? Eleven. Shocking. Um, Didn't you go to a football game? I went on to yours? the Champions League semi final yeah. against uh, Villarreal with Steve on my own. Oh, that was on my wife's birthday. Yeah. Tell her. Not a footy tournament, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 not just <laughs> not just the footy tournament. Right, sounds. Um, yeah, what do we think, Dan? Wolves, West Ham, Tottenham, Brighton stand between us in the next international break in the league. Lask, mm. Leicester, and Union Saint Gilwars. Where do you want? What do you want that to look like? Uh, undefeated, um, without a shadow of a doubt. Nine from nine in Europa League. Uh, yeah. Is that in the three games? Was it Europa League? No, two. Six. Europa League. two sorry, six. Sorry, six from six in Europa League. Then in that case, and I think we'll draw. One of those last two away games, but other than that, we'll win the rest. I'm going to say we'll draw. It's ten from twelve again. Yeah, we'll draw at Brighton. I think we'll draw at Brighton, but we'll win the others. I think that's really solid. What do you think, Chloe? Um, I want to win absolutely every single game of footy, so I'm going for everything. No, because look, I'm hoping that McAllister's going back to Brighton and he's telling Liverpool you just need to f and win here because I'm going to get the piss taken out of me. So I'm hoping Liverpool show up there, put a statement down, and say. Everyone's going on about how boss yous are. Well, you know, here we are. We've we're deciding to show back up. Um, Spears, I'd like to have their little lovely happy moment be murdered by us. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I, I want to win every single game. Um, so I'm going to predict that it's Wolves that we draw against. Oh, <laughs> right? Everyone goes mental, and then we get six from six against Spurs and Brighton, and go ten from twelve. What normally, and 10 from 12 is great, by yeah, the way. Draw, it's a great start to the season. It'd be a great second part. Yeah. Draw with Wolves, draw with Lask. Everyone feels like the seasons fell apart and then beat West Ham, Leicester, Spurs, Union and, and Brighton and end, 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 end the spell I'd, I'd like to know the teams around, like who who else faces who. Is there any massive matchups where 
if I take 10 for 12, oh, but City have faced Arsenal there, so Almost I'm hoping someone's dropping I'll have a look at that in a Which second. Which of the games we're getting our two red cards in? Yeah. Oh, if we get a red card a game, uh, what a two and three or two and four at this, at this point, so yeah, expect it. Um, Saul sent us a, a super chat, by the way, so they're Liverpool's a mystery. Difficult to point out what works and doesn't. When we've challenged, few of us had us as favourites. When favourites who went through and utter collapse, clearly we <laughs> challenged this year. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm up for that, mate. Um, yeah, I... Um, I'll have a look ahead. This is more weekend preview content, I guess, than anything else. But I'll have a look and see what the weekend fixtures are because that will be telling. Because you're right, every time we go, yeah. what's this game? There's always there's so many sure. big teams now that we're in competition with. Oh, yeah. So that, we draw against Wolves in the 12.30 and everyone else loses and our point looks good. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah that's Don't often. see it happening. No. But... You've got to go and get them three points against Wolves yeah, and just worry yeah. about everything else after, after that. To be fair. But this is the point. That little run, the Spurs-Union-Brighton thing, particularly those two big away games in there, and I know we've got a decent record against Tottenham or whatever, but they're, they're the ones, they're, they're surprising. They're the ones where, are we a fourth to sixth or third to sixth challenging team, or are we a team that's going for above and beyond? Because I'm not saying you have to go there and win them in style. But you find a way to win those mm. games, I think. If because uh, it, it's again, it's the sick point nature of it, isn't it? You kind of weirdly almost afford to drop the occasional weird couple of points in mad draws against teams you wouldn't expect because those teams always then go and pull a shock against someone else that you're not you're, you're not expecting. Um, just out of interest, the other fixtures this weekend: Man City are away at West Ham, that always causes them issues. Okay. Uh, Man United are at home to Brighton. Oof. Brighton incredible, they'll batter them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've always said that about Brighton, haven't you? Have you I? Arsenal away at the F. Um, Chelsea away at Bournemouth. That's got Chelsea absolutely cocking that up. Yeah, that's yeah, got nine nil Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But as I said, there's always Is that Everton Arsenal there. Everton Arsenal, yeah. They haven't won a game yet, have they? It's a win-win no. situation for oh, That might be their first win, you know. They beat Arsenal last year, didn't they? Is that they? Yeah. the old lady? Yeah. It was Sean yeah. Dice's first wow. game in charge. Yeah, they beat him last year. And they were all... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really can see what he's planning. Yeah. Could you see this, lads? Yeah. Could you see really not trying to score goals? Did well you done. say boo or woo? <laughs> <laughs> Just woo! Oh, go on, woo! Um, next week, the week, the, the, the following week, Man City have got... When we play uh, West Ham at home, by the way, City Shatter. have got... Forest at home. Jesus Christ. I've got a Forest are going to cause some teams problems this year, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, all that pace Arsenal on the counter attack. Hello. Yeah. Mm. The North London derby is the two o'clock kickoff on the Sunday, which means we're not, yeah, means we're not televised that day. Does City have a hard game at all in the next four? Because my no, God. No, no point this season, no. they play anybody. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Chelsea Villa's that day on that Sunday as well. That's another interesting. They've got Moss Villa in the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Under what? 16. <laughs> <laughs> when we play Tottenham United, have got Palace at home. Uh, Villa played Brighton at home in the early kickoff that weekend. Just Everton played Luton there. Yeah, Everton's first win. Um, oh, it could be Luton's first win. Fulham Chelsea. It's that little derby, whatever they call that the one. Kings Road derby or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Harrods derby. The Bosch derby. Man City away at Wolves. Well, That'll be the one. We'll draw to Wolves. And that's the worst two points dropped ever. And then City will go away and draw at Wolves. Well, still bat them. They battered everyone. Um, uh, there you go. Well, I would love to look further ahead, uh, but the uh, website isn't loading, so we'll leave it at that. Um, right. Cool. We'll wrap up there everyone um that was good are we feeling good about 
the Reds. Very Great. good. Very good. Can't wait. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited. It goes back to your point, Chris. There's just so many things I'm going to learn about Liverpool that I don't know. We've got a whole new footballer that hasn't kicked the ball Can't for wait. us yet. We get to see him play footy at some point. That's really good. Great. More of that. And Dominic Sobers light is just amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing. More of him. Right. Thank you so much, everyone who's commented, uh, who's dropped a like. If you haven't dropped a like, then I can't say thanks to you. So drop a like and then I can say thank you. Thank you. Um, more to come from us. We've got the Bias Football podcast following on immediately, pretty much from this over on redmenplus.com. We're going to be wrapping up the Saudi transfer window and we're going to talk through some of the big news around the Premier League as well. So come over there and join us for that one. Other than that, the Redmen Originals podcast will return next Monday. See us all soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.